Embrace life with a change for the better. Challenge your comfort zone with Glenn Miller, your personal comfort zone coach, enabling you in whatever way you may need to, to step outside your comfort zone. The Outside Your Comfort Zone podcast explores proactive and practical tips based on years of lessons learned and expert skills and advice that will enable you to accomplish more. Each episode puts a spotlight on topics and experts in their field who will compel you to action and to get more things done outside your comfort zone. Good morning and welcome to another episode of Outside Your Comfort Zone with myself, Glenn Miller, your host. And today I'm going to be interviewing Richard Fahn from Biopack, amazing, incredible success story and company in Australia. But today we're going to just get into a bit of the background and understanding the man, Richard Fahn. Yeah, Rich, welcome to the show and let's kick it off. Let's do it. So I made a couple of notes for for this podcast, just thinking about it as well. And I guess it's great to sort of think about who am I? What has made me who I am? And yeah, I think, you know, how much of it is, is nature and nurture. I think I'm extremely fortunate and blessed to have been born into a family that has given me the opportunity, I guess, to see life in a very unique way, I guess, as everybody does. But I remember having these really powerful forces growing up. So I was fortunate enough to have two fathers. One, I would say, who was more risk averse or more cautious. And the other one, who was my uncle, who was very much an adventurer and threw caution to the wind most of the time. So I had this really interesting dynamic male personalities. And my grandfather was an incredibly larger than life individual. I remember sitting at the, at the Sunday tables and we'd be talking about business and there's some really interesting characters in my, in my family and they were all larger than life. This was my world. This was my reality growing up. And I was extremely blessed to have that. So I was sort of always under the impression that you that anything was possible. You could achieve you could achieve anything really. I think when you're younger, you know, you're a whole lot less likely to find risk a problem. When you're younger, you take significantly more risk. I think as you age and get older and you know more, you tend to sort of take your foot of the pedal and want to sort of stay in that comfort zone. Life is a constant fight, pushing against that comfort zone. The only thing that allows you to grow is discomfort. And I think I can sort of really identify some key moments in my life that really shaped me who I am today. And I think I sort of highlight those key moments of discomfort or that that I really felt uncomfortable. And you're going through those, you know, you've got to embrace that discomfort. You can't be afraid of it. Even acknowledge the fear because fear is part of it. So being afraid is part of the whole journey. And so embrace the fear and do it anyway. Because that exhilaration, that thrill of doing something new, whether you succeed or not, is still incredibly addictive. There is no such thing as failure. Many people you know, refrain from taking risks because of fear of failing. And it's just a learning experience. You know, again, I've been given this tremendous opportunity by those before, who came before me to show me these, these sort of life realities or truths. I want to quickly interject there. Yes. So when I think of like global greats today, okay, like... Elon Musk, Bill Gates, Mark Zuckerberg. I'm just an average man, right? Those are big names. But when I think of those names and then I think of like what brought you to current date. So that's awesome insights into your background and your past. Let's just frame it for a sec, present day, biopack and kind of your, if you want, your vision that brought you to where you are. Because what's interesting is that that's the backdrop of where it all came from right? And your mindset. But I think just for our listeners who don't know what brought you here today and what's 
you know, brought you to the show. And if we can just unpack and understand, you know, that's a bit of who the man is. Let's summarize your claim to fame. <laughs> who am I today? <laughs> I'm many things today and I'm, I'm still trying to figure that out where my, where I actually fit in. And I'm still pushing that comfort zone, trying to sort of grow and figure it all out. To a degree, I've sort of tried to seek comfort. I'm realizing pretty quickly that that is really boring and not what I want to achieve with my life. So I guess I'm trying to contribute towards this new revolution, this new industrial revolution, this new circular economy, the new way of doing business. We're on the cusp of the significant change on the way that we consume resources, the way that capitalism functions. And I'm contributing, my little bit is contributing to plastics. My whole life has focus has been in solving the plastic problem. Everything before me has led me to this point to help stop plastic polluting the oceans. That is my overarching goal. If I could do that, if I could pull all the plastic out of the ocean and stop more getting in and save the marine life and stop more plastic production, then I would be the happiest man. And then I'd look for something else to do. <laughs> okay. That's what I'm about. And I'm about focusing specifically on food service packaging and the food service industry and trying to reduce the amount of waste and the environmental impact that it has without impacting the convenience and the modern way of living. I think that we continue, we can continue to live comfortable lives in the sense that technology allows us to be safe in some sense of the word, you know, and coexist with nature in a, in a more harmonious way. The previous generation did certain things that at the time I think they, they thought were really brilliant. And that's, you know, the benefit of hindsight, but they have been extremely damaging to the planet and are causing this shift not only in mindset, but in the whole planet. The physical world is changing and shifting as a result of this. I'm trying to lessen the pain and the chaos that's going to come with that change. <laughs> so, so, Rich, can we explore that a little? Like, I think people listening, like, they don't know you, right? Richard, relax time, uptime, downtime, work time. When I just think of that, right, some words you've used, circular economy, it's so big. So, it's like such a massive challenge. How did you confront this? So, you know, just giving us your backstory like you did before and those influences in your life that got your head kind of strong as to make mistakes, be bold, everything's achievable. You kind of bump shoulders with giants. That's why I'm mentioning some of the global greats. Like when I think of you, it's, it feels to me, and I think to our average listener, you know, common man in the street who's consuming Kentucky fried chicken and plastic lid on the container and chucking it in the bin, people are slowly thinking about improving that. But, you know, you're at the coalface and that's quite massive. So like, I think, did that ever worry you? Did you just say, I want to change the world. Let's just get started one step at a time. That practical side that I got from my father and the, the businessmen in my family was really balanced from my mother with this really spiritual side and seeing the world differently. So that has shaped me to be who I am today and have allowed me to take the risks and the challenges and have instilled the passion in me to do that. So it's more of a, I guess, a passion than anything. I think it's so important to me to be doing something that you love. I always, when I was younger, imagine I would be sort of a vet or working outdoors. And then suddenly I found myself in the family business, working in a factory, producing plastic packaging, knee deep in grease on machines. And I thought to myself, you know, is this what I want to be doing with my life? Is this doing something better for the, for the greater good of the world? Is this making me feel fulfilled? And I was, again, fortunate enough to not have the financial stress at that stage because I was working in a successful family business. And all of those things have helped me 
take the risks and the challenges. And so you asked why I chose to do that. So I came to Australia in 2003, immigrated here from South Africa, and was really acutely aware of all the little pieces of plastic that I saw on the beaches, the beautiful beaches here in Sydney, having grown up in, in Germiston, almost an industrial area in Johannesburg, landlocked, five and a half hours away from the ocean. And when I went to the ocean, that was my happy space. And here I am in Sydney and there are these beautiful beaches and all I can see are little pieces of plastic. And I'm plastic is in my blood. I've been in the plastic industry since I was a kid. My dad was there before me. And so I'm looking at all these pieces of plastic and thinking to myself, I've contributed to this. I've somehow in, in, the, in the business previously have contributed to this. I have the skills and the knowledge to potentially make a difference and change this. First of all, I seem to be the only one who's really aware of it at the moment. So maybe I should start sounding the alarm bells and showing other people what I'm seeing, you know? And, and so that's where it all started. I think to myself, hold on a second. And I was young. I was 33 years old, no responsibilities, no wife, no kids, no family in Australia as a young bachelor thinking to myself, hell yeah, I can change this. Of course I can change it. You know, what, what risk is there? If it, if it fails, I'll go get a job. I can be a massage therapist. I can go work in, you know, doing hard labor, whatever it is I can do. I can do anything. That's the belief I have in myself, you know? So why not solve this problem? Of course I can fix it. Nothing is, uh, in, is insurmountable. As I said, all of this, this bravado, this can-do attitude is everything that's happened to me in my life, having been pushed in or started working in business at the tender age of 18, 19 years old, you know, feeling way over my head in challenges, thinking, I soon realized, hold on a second, you just got to pretend like you know what you're doing and you'll get through because everyone seems to be pretending to know what they're doing. No one really knows. We're all just hacking it. Just give it a go. And if you don't succeed, you'll learn something and you'll give it a go next time. You know, that's the mentality that you have to have. Don't be afraid of, of failing. And so, yes, I can fix this up. And not only can I fix this up, because I had just read this book, Cradle to Cradle, and it blew my mind. It was, it was all about everything that we make is currently this linear system. And everything that we extract and utilize and consume has an environmental impact. And we really need to start looking at these systems in circular terms where we cannot continue to extract, consume, and dispose of it. We need to recover the nutrients, recover the resources, and reutilize them. And I thought that's definitely makes sense. You know, and I looked at Patagonia and Ben and Jerry's and the way these people were doing business and how we did business before in the family business was always gnawed at me. I always felt that the workers should have a more, almost like a socialist, you know, I always felt that the workers should have more reward for the work that they put in. I always felt bad of these minimum wage workers doing these repetitive jobs. It was a problem. I always wanted to do, believe that if you gave the workers in the business ownership of the business, that that would be the, the fairest, most viable model to do. Looking at this next business model, I wanted to do everything different than had gone before. And this new generation of business and mentality was coming to the fore. Circular economy, B corporations, people who did business for a force for good. And I didn't need the money for myself. I was, again, fortunate enough to have money available. And I thought I didn't have any overheads or responsibilities. I could always get by. So let's do something for the greater good and make everyone successful and beneficiaries of this. It's the only way to do it. You know, it's, it felt right to me. It's the way of doing it. And I thought, these companies have done it, inspired me. Let me do the same thing in this specific industry. Let me shift the entire packaging industry and show them what it can be. And that was where Biopack was born. 
And I mean, it, it didn't sort of, it was obviously a lot of challenges along the way. And there were times when it was like, is this going to work? You know, is it, uh, have I bitten off more than I can chew? And then it really hit home when suddenly, you know, I started the company in 2006. By um, 2007, suddenly I had a, had a child in the picture and that changed everything. Suddenly there was a whole lot more risk, a whole lot more at stake and a whole lot more challenging. But um, perseverance. <laughs> and then again, you know, that, that statement, it's darkest before the dawn. I think if you can just persevere, if you can hang on, if you can uh, stick it out, usually, you know, things will come out, will, will turn out. And if they don't, it's never as bad as you think it's going to be. You know, failure is never that bad. Yeah, but I think your energy, your positive attitude, I suppose a big motivation for me starting this podcast was, was a lot of those same, not, not the positivity. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm lucky. I'm born a positive person. And I've, I've just recently learned that experience, right? But the whole purpose of this podcast is to help build a community because I think what's so interesting for anyone listening, the outcomes of what you're saying in just getting up in the morning and not worrying, but giving it a go, it's natural for you. And I think in a big part, it's natural for me. It's just not something you think about, but even this concept of mental illness and those motivations that power a human to get up in the morning and power through. You know, I just wanted to highlight that. On the one hand, like it's so important. And I think if you didn't have that, like how much harder would the success path that you've been on have been, if, if at all, you know? So I think just, just highlighting kind of message number one I'm taking from what you're saying is, you know, I acknowledge that for some people, it's, it's very, very, very difficult waking up and actually shifting into a positive mindset to start the day. I, I can't even imagine what that's like. It's just not you know, something I'm conscious of, but it's just I'm lucky that it's not in, in what I do. But I think, again, from some others that you know, we've, we've interviewed on the show and, and some of the outcomes, I think this is really the first time that looking backwards on an awesomely successful success story, but then hearing your motivations and how you're framing how you got there, it's something that's really infectious and is really cool. And it's you know, just the passions and following your passions that sometimes maybe, you know, for anyone that has had a difficult in just positive thinking, it's, it's maybe, you know, lean towards those passions. So I digress, but I just thought it's nice to kind of lift those, those points out and pay tribute. And it's, but it's not always positivity. You know, it's, I mean, I, I think I can recall plenty of moments where I was super down in the dumps. You know, it's like you need to take responsibility and you need to take that choice about sort of doing the things that need to get done, whether you're positive about it or not. You have to persevere and you have to believe in your ability to get through. That, I think, is fundamental. Positivity comes and goes depending on circumstances around you, you know, and you've got to push through until you become positive again. Sometimes when it's really dark, it's hard to be positive, but you can always believe in yourself and your ability. And I think there's different ways of doing it. I mean, it can be forced on you. Someone can help you get there or you can choose it yourself. Those are the three different paths to sort of taking responsibility for your, for your life. You know, for me, having it forced on me was the army. When I joined the army at the tender age of 17, leaving school, that was completely forced on me and that was completely outside my comfort zone. And what did it teach me? It taught me to believe in myself and to believe in being able to persevere and get through anything. There were some gloomy moments in the army and I didn't even have it that hard. Coming from the comfort zone that I was in, the army was a complete nightmare for me, you know, being told what to do, when to do, the physical, the mental, it was, it was all a constant challenge. But I emerged out the other side two years later, so much better. And then there's, you know, those people that help you get there. People like yourself, Glenn, <laughs> who, uh, who push me, my uncle, my father, you know, those people that sort of, are there to support you when you're going out. That's, it's fantastic to have someone to give you a hand, to encourage you when you're standing on the precipice and saying, you can do it. Even if you believe it yourself, it's great to have someone there with you to sort of share 
in the risk and in the reward. And if anyone's missed the previous show, like I just want to show you, I'm wearing this shirt. What we're going to, <laughs> to talk about the army, you know, and let's weird. Like I think the material that we consume today, Netflix and books and all the rest, can also be a contributing aid. So, so interesting, but just, it's a good segue. So thanks for the credit, Rich. <laughs> you know, again, like I, I sometimes find myself stuck with content. So flipping it the other way, you know, I think just you and I and just sharing YouTube links and the stuff that I've learned just from the little sound bites you've shared. So I think even just personal connections and aligning yourself with people that lift you up. One can make a choice and actually, you know, stop, put a line in the sand today and say, if not, you know, even just one message they could take out of today's show. There's so many so far and I have been, but just saying, look, I'm going to look back at who I hang out with and make some hard choices, you know, like who's going to lift me up and who pushes me down. And maybe it's time to confront those people. Most definitely. And be aware of that. Be aware of that. Seek out those people that lift you up, you know, and I know plenty of people who get stuck in these toxic relationships and look to, for people to support that negative self-belief in themselves. You know, it's so important to, to be surrounded by positivity and, and like-minded people and have that support. But if you don't, it's also okay. Just take ownership, take responsibility to get things done. And I think every, everyone has something to, to give to the world. Everyone has this unique gift and a unique set of experiences that have, that have shaped them that can give them a completely unique perspective. And therefore, the only way that we're ever going to shift anything and, and grow, not only as individuals, but as humanity as a whole, is if we all push against those fears and the what ifs and, and just go for it. It's never as scary as it looks. Once you're in it, that rush you know, there's nothing better than having that sort of experience of surviving. I think for me, a really interesting moment in my life was when in 2017, my mom passed away. In a way, it gave me some sort of a freedom because suddenly I did not have a fear of death anymore. It was kind of bizarre. I kind of almost looked forward to it in a sense. And it sort of gave me even more impetus to take even bigger risks because, you know, that's the biggest fear that you can have is death. That's when everything goes wrong. And, and if you think about it and you put it all in context, no, it's not that bad if you can do everything that you do. We're all going to die sometime. Don't have to be afraid of, you know, just the only thing to be afraid of is not having given it every bit of your best before it's your time is up. Just give it a, give it a go, you know. We've spoken about that because I had the same experience, you know, with my mum passing away this year, actually in February, and that was the impetus and the motivation to starting the podcast. So episode one, for those that missed it, please go listen. But it, it's weird, like when, when everything's taken away from you, you know, whether that's passing of a loved one or some other life metaphor, it just makes, you know, I don't want to swear, but it kind of makes shit real, you know? It just, in that moment, everything slows down, stops, and it's, it forces you to, to recap. So, so in, in terms of your luck, the, the, the biopack journey and, and just kind of your personal success, Rich, where did that fit in the timeline? Like, you know, I'm drawing a parallel to how that might have shaped and influenced decisions you made from that 2017 onward. 2017, oh, yes, very much so. So it gave me perspective. It made me realize that life is finite. You know these things, but you don't know these things until someone close to you suddenly is gone. And then you realize, hold on a second, my mom was only 70 years, 69 years old. I'm 50 now, now, so at the time I was 48. Maybe I've got 20 more years, if I'm lucky, to live as long as my mom. Maybe I'm lucky, maybe I'll live longer. My dad's 77, so my grandparents until I'm 80. Maybe I've got another 30 years left. I've been alive longer I've got less time left than I've been alive. There's 30 years left of my life to, to do shit. And so Biopack was full on from when I started to 2006 until 2017. It was growing this business and it was flat out every day, all day for 15 years. I have long I've been doing it. You know, it's it all consuming. And I thought to myself, 
My father didn't have a work-life balance. He was a complete workaholic. I thought to myself, I don't want to do that to my kids. I want to be able to spend quality time. I want to spend time with people that I love. Maybe it's time to sort of step back from Biopack a little bit and have a change of pace of life and then do, do things differently and see, see the world differently. And so that was when I said, okay, maybe it's time now to exit Biopack. And that's when we started actually looking to sell the business, which was eventually, I'm still, I still have uh, you know, some equity in the business, but it's a lot less. I mean, I spend a couple of days there a week. I'm trying to get out of it, but I can't because it's a passion of mine. I'm currently working now on the much bigger picture. I think it's allowed me to get out of the day-to-day operational stuff of the business and look at the bigger picture and engage with the industry and government and help collaborate, help this collaborative effort because it requires collaboration to change the system. And so there's not something that Biopack can do on its own. And stepping back from Biopack has allowed me the space and the vision to get these people together to help fulfill what is ultimately my vision, but not really my vision, because my vision is really sort of the circular economy, redesigning how we do things. And what might be right today, there's no guarantee that that'll be right tomorrow. So I'm constantly looking and shifting my understanding and awareness of circularity and environmental impact and good business. And I want to sort of keep, be the voice of truth in what can sometimes be a very confusing area for those who do not know the details and the, the, the intricacies of plastics and bioplastics. So it's a good time to just fold in and, and frame that if one was to Google Richard Fine Biopack, I was just saying this article comes up about, you know, the government side of what you've just mentioned. And I think it's an awesome read for anyone looking. I'm just, just to kind of understand how, you know, before I reference you're rubbing shoulders with giants, but it's kind of bringing together everything that's led to this part of the conversation, because like you said, I don't, I don't think, you know, like they say, it takes a village to raise a child, right? So think of eliminating plastic from the globe. Like this is not something, if you and I go and pick up pieces how much can we achieve? So this is really, you know, when you think of the shows on Netflix and the stories of the world and all the different, I mean, you'll, you'll be able to ramble them off. You know, the guys in the ocean on boats and they've started charities just to clean up the ocean. It's such a huge movement. And maybe one could say there was a wave and a space in time, I don't know, 2017 to 2020, 2010, when these businesses started emerging, these not-for-profits started emerging. But I believe that, you know, the eth is connected and we are all one, so to speak, in a weird philosophical way. But I think, you know, you look at industrial, you know, we've had this conversation and I think it was you who told me that there are these 80-year cycles, you know, where maybe it's not the ether or the gods, but it's actually man and what we've created and these cycles we go through. And the reality is you guys are shape-shifting. Like you are really leading to change. Um, and so I'm glad you didn't leave because, because like you said, it's like, it's not just one thing in your skill set that's allowed you to build the company that Biopack is. I think it's the heartbeat and the soul. It sounds like it ties quite closely into all these things you've described. So that article is an interesting read because it's, uh, you know, for anyone, I know it's always hard to kind of go into the, the boring parts of a business and where it came from, but, but that kind of just, you know, you talk of the circular economy. So even that, Rich, I mean, maybe you can just ex- expand for an absolute layman kind of getting what circular means, you know, take out, put back in, but maybe you can just explain a simple two sentence explanation. What does circular economy even mean? Okay, I'll give, you, I'll give you an example specifically related to Biopack and my industry that I'm focused on. So I'll explain to you first what a linear system looks like. A linear system is where you extract petroleum from the ground that was fossil resources. You pull out this oil and gas and you create a material using that, that resource. That resource doesn't get replenished, so it's 
it's finite. You extract it out of the ground, you create a plastic out of it, you use the plastic then for half an hour, and you throw that plastic in a hole in the ground or you throw it into the ocean. That's a linear system. The value of that plastic, that fossil resource is now lost and is damaging the environment. A circular system is the antithesis of that. It's a tree growing. You harvest the tree, you plant another tree when you harvest that tree, you use that tree to make material, to make products. When that product is finished, that material then degrades back into the soil, returns nutrients back into the soil to grow another tree. That's the circular economy. That's nature. Nature does everything in the circular system. It's only humans that have this linear mentality of we can just do it one way. And so really what we're trying to do in the circular economy is that we have the circulating material streams. One is biological nutrients, which nature produces, and the other one is synthetic resources that humanity creates, steel and plastics and, and metals and this kind of stuff. And so what happens is we often mix these two streams together when we, when we produce things, and it's really difficult to pull them apart afterwards and to recover and recycle them. And so we, we stick them in a hole in the ground. And as the world emerges and grows and the population continues to grow upwards of 7 billion to projected 11 billion, you know, sometime in the near future, there's not enough resources locally to continue this linear way of extracting resources, using them once and throwing them away. It's just about being a bit more responsible about how we utilize this. There's not enough resources to go around. If everyone wants to live like us, and that's what everyone is aspiring to in, in the world, you know, we're going to need a couple more planets worth of resources to uh, satisfy everyone's demands. And that's just not happening. So there's two things that have to happen. We have to use our resources wiser, and we have to actually change the way that we consume. Things need to become more durable. We can't have this throwaway society. Constantly just, you know, making new things, consuming, throwing away. Wow. So powerful. <laughs> and it's such a simple explanation. Like I, I just didn't realize, you know, I think as consumers, there's always that conundrum like, oh, one more straw, is it really going to make a difference? You're about to grab something off a shelf and one's made from pulp and one's made from plastic. It's at the end of the world. You know, it's the government's problem. It's the council's problem. Yep. And if I think about it, you know, I think that when you talk about this linear it's mainly referring to plastics because most other materials, glass, metals, organics, are all readily recyclable and recoverable. It's when you mix any of those or you utilize the synthetic material plastic that is so cheap and is so durable, that's where the problem comes in, you know, is those materials. I mean, plastic is a wonder material. And this is where it all stems back from me. I was just raised being super aware of plastics. My dad was one of the first, you know, in the 1970s to start manufacturing things out of plastics on a mass scale. So it's a fantastic material. It has incredible uses in medical fields, in automotive applications, in light weighting, in space, in exploration. But when we use it for single-use disposables or stuff that's used for a short shelf life or a short period of time and then discarded and there's no way of recovering and recycling that, that's where we, we run into these major problems. And there's just 380 million tons of plastic produced every single year. And it's growing exponentially. More plastic has been produced in the last decade than all the previous history since plastic was invented. So in 10 years, we, we produce more plastic than all the historical plastic production in the world, and it continues to go up. We need to turn the tap off because there's more plastic in the ocean, and there's predicted to be more plastic in the ocean than fish by 2025 if we continue on this track of just needlessly producing it. And there's, there's a lot of misinformation and a lot of smoke and mirrors that are trying to divert everyone's attention away from the problem and what's actually happening. So my responsibility is to shine a light 
on the truth and to show and expose at my peril because I've had death threats of what's what's actually happening. You know, it's like I'm not afraid wow. to sort of challenge the system. You know, from a man who knows very little about it myself, I think you like a massively strong advocate for all of it. But it's scary that if we don't act and we don't change on it, we're all seeing it in the press. But I mean, from someone who sees it at the coal place and those statistics are scary, it's like people out there don't wait for your councils and, and you know, challenge the yeah. system. And, and I'd even say that as again, as a layman consumer, right? We have a right not to consider cost. And what I mean by that is there's so many people doing it tough. Like, yes, Sydney, we're lucky we're merging out of lockdown and the pandemic, you know, double vaccines. It's a whole nother story. But I think perspective is the word there. Like we've accepted, you, you know, you go into any of the retail stores and there's four options on the shelf. And I think what I'm saying is no one's considering that one of those might be cheap because the components are plastic, right? And I think people need to take not the hand off their heart, but common sense. Like the whole barometer needs to change. 100%. And you know, what's reassuring is that it's all changing. It's like, yeah. as I paint this picture, as depressing as it may sound, since founding Biopack, the awareness on a global scale about the environmental impact of plastics, global warming, circular economy has completely changed. I mean, governments are banning, are implementing bans globally. Consumer awareness is an all-time high. So it's amazing. Don't ever underestimate how quickly things can change. So yes, it's a problem, but there's enough momentum behind it. I was watching something the other day that was saying that, you know, change is inevitable, specifically around the way that the world functions right now. Those that sort of had the status quo are desperately clinging onto it, but they just prolonging the inevitable. It is going to change and it's going to shift. And with that comes a whole lot of potential opportunity because this whole system that we currently believe is reality and, and how things work, capitalism is about to crumble because it's not working. Well, I'll call out to anyone that can be listening to this episode that if you, you know, you're sitting on the fence or you're working your boring day job, Rich, you might get flooded with inquiries from what I'm about to say, <laughs> right? Just get off your ass and flip into gear and follow your passions, follow your dreams. And it sounds like there's a whole economy out there waiting to, you know, for these change makers to get on board and get stuff done. And we've spoken about my passions in, in farming. I'm not, I'm a digital farmer, but even that, you know, with tech and where it's going, there's so much opportunity out there. And everyone has the, has the ability, you know, fake it till you make it. We all have this unique gift, this unique perspective on the world. No one is any more capable than anyone else. Just believe in yourself and go for it. Get it done. Get it done. Yeah. Goggins it. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. Amazing, Rich. Well, Rich, I think, look, it's been, it's been wicked awesome time to this point. I think, you know, traditionally always go through the intro and everything else and maybe parts of this episode of it back to front, but who cares? Um, I just, I love your energy and your smile. We're going to try and get this onto YouTube. So those that, uh, if we can get it there, then if you're listening to this on a podcast, do head over to YouTube and meet the man in person. But Rich, I think if we left people and maybe in closing with a message from you, bundling all this amazing history, knowledge, experience, failures, losses, uh, success, hopefully much more to come. Leave us with a message or, you know, what's next for Richard Fine, the man? You know, if people can take away one thing, otherwise you would impart, what does it look like? You know, I think, you know, what's next for me, I have no idea. You know, there's going to be chaos and change without a doubt. <laughs> um, I think that the message that I'd really like to give is less about me and I really like everyone to listening to know that, you know, it's up to them to embrace and you know, to be willing to, do what's different, to embrace complexity and don't follow the crowd and change the world with, unique, with your 
own unique perspective because everyone has something to give and everyone is capable of doing that. So the more of us that attempt to do that, the better it is. And you'll find your tribe. I remember being interviewed in 2006 when I just started the company and I said, you know, they said, are you, are you a considered tree hugger? And I said, no, I, I don't, my friends kind of think maybe I'm a bit sort of, you know, of a tree hugger, a bit of a hippie. I said, but there's more and more of us coming every day. If I look back and I see where we are now, we're definitely the, in the majority now. So, you know, <laughs> stick with what you believe in and, and go for it. I'll be politically incorrect saying that, you know, the geeks and nerds on computers is a thing of the past, obviously, right behind chessboards and Mark Zuck and Bill Gates and Elon Musk, you know, books and libraries, those are always the places you didn't hang out. So I think, Rich, you've certainly had your work cut out for you. And I think the world feels that movement, you know, the horse is bolted. It's like it's time for change. And the best is if we can help shape away from the ground up, you know, let's cause the tsunami walking into retail and saying, no, guys, like I'm going to reject that plastic thing. Your competitor next door has joined the wave. It's time for you get get on board. We just had all the results coming out, you know, the global impact. And uh, you, you'll know the fancy names, like reports about percentages on climate change. And it's, you know, never mind getting real. It's like, I think I heard last week, a week ago, maybe it's just scare tactics, but it's like we're at the point of no return. Obviously, the skeptics saying uh, the dinosaurs happened and it was a major catastrophe, one-off incident. And that's just the world. I tend to believe everything you're saying scientifically makes sense. You know, I'm not passing judgment, but I'm just saying. So join the movement. And that's so important. Find the truth. There's so much, you know, there's so much misinformation out there. Find the truth. Educate yourself. Yeah. It's interesting. You'll find anything online to back up your perspective of the world. Make sure that your perspective resonates, you know, with something more than just physical wealth. There needs to be something, you know, from a spiritual side that guides your, your view on the world as well. So with that, you will only succeed. Well, Rich, amazing inspiration. Thank you so much. Thanks for supporting me and coming on the show. My pleasure. There's so much you and I can talk about, so we might have to get you back before we know it. <laughs> Looking forward. We'll have to bring everyone along on a, on a sub paddleboard, maybe. And yeah. on the ocean. <laughs> I would look forward to that. We could do like a giant circle, you know, circling my circle of, of paddleboards, <laughs> a yoga session. Been good. It's been fun. Thanks, Rich. Until next time. Thanks for listening to Outside Your Comfort Zone with Glenn Miller, your comfort zone coach. If you like what you hear, help spread the word. Subscribe to the podcast and invite a friend. For show notes, links and extra goodies, visit comfortzonecoach.com.au.